Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. Power to the people. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. Seating your... Oh, what is this? A dimly lit room? Deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty communications compound? It appears to be. And today, on a Friday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The American worker. Tanned, rested, ready to get back to it. Great economic news, folks. We'll bring that to you in moments. And that moment is now... The uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the the new uh, the unemployment rate the number of unemployed did not rocket higher as anticipated by the authorities but indeed shrank more people getting back to work than leaving work the numbers and the numbers behind the numbers coming up so the employment um, unemployment rate has fallen to thirteen point three percent and everybody's hailing that as good news which it is but it's absolutely good news. I'm not denying that it's just uh, why are you denying it you're not going to join in with CNN say we must remember though this is still catastrophic well it is still catastrophic there's never been a time in my life where there's thirteen point three percent unemployment that's absolutely incredible it's hard to just like remember what is normal and what's not. All right. You're coming off a little Don Lemony there for a minute. <laughs> Glass is half empty-ish. I won't have it. It's I a, won't have it. It's it's stunning, though, that that's where we are. And I have the whole uh, business thing on my mind. Was it the, the governor of where or the mayor of who? I don't know. Is it what the mayor of Cleveland said? Because we have that later. Oh, oh no. Not yet. Okay. We need to work our way up to what the, the the mayor of Cleveland said. I heard the mayor of Cleveland dropped a real steamer of a comment on people. <laughs> and, uh, wow. 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 Some days, I think, you know, best to just end the show here. The, the uh, governor of New Jersey said, so there's an editorial in the Washington Examiner today. Are social gatherings infectious? Apparently not if the governor likes your politics. And it's the argument over... So nobody's been allowed to do anything, but protesters can protest. Apparently, the virus uh, d- doesn't matter if you're protesting or whatever. And, sure. and, and I'm not. I'm not even. I don't even want to get into that uh, right now. The you know the the government killing a man uh, unjustifiably is a big deal. Um, but you're telling the the virus is a really big deal too. But it's, yeah. it's the it's the it's the language that the governor of uh, New Jersey used. Um. And it's uh, it's one thing he said. It's one thing to protest what day what day nail salons are going to open. It's another to come out and peacefully protest about somebody who was murdered right before our eyes. Wow! Again, I'm not comparing the two. It's the dismissive language of it's a it's, to protest what day a nail salon is open. That person who runs that nail salon or people families, their whole lives are that enterprise. And I'd like to, I haven't looked up with this guy's background. Maybe he's another one of your politicians like the mayor of L.A. we're going to be talking about later, who's never had a real-world job in their entire life. I don't right. know if this guy has or not, but that sort of dismissive language, that's what we can't stand for. You, don't, you do not get to talk about somebody's private property and their whole 
economic lives that dismissively. Can you imagine the That's disdain outrageous. in that statement? The disdain right. for those who work for a living, who've built something, or are trying desperately to build something? And in the case of nail salons, and listen, I'm not the guy to play the color card, obviously, but... They're overwhelmingly lower-income immigrants, and this guy has utter disdain for them in their their petty and embarrassing effort to make a living. Well, Do you understand the, why we hate bureaucrats so much? Well, and that's his, uh, why marching for whether or not a nail salon is open. It's not about me getting my nails done. That would be petty. It's about a business, a private enterprise that somebody started in a f- supposedly free country. Just for the record, my wife is pretty upset about the state of her nails. Well, she can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I just thought the tone of that and, and God, I, that, that, that riles me up. Man. I know. I, I want to, I want to punch somebody. Sean, come over here. <laughs> As we've t- talked about politicians all across the country, maybe you did need to shut this stuff down, but don't be so, uh, uh, uh happy about it. Yeah. And just yeah. non caring about it. One quick quibble, as I was listening to the unlistenable CNN this morning and they were discussing the positive unemployment numbers. Uh, they're at least trending in a good direction. And they said, of course, the uh, catastrophic employment, unemployment numbers caused by the pandemic. And, and this is a quibble, but it's an important quibble. The unemployment was caused by the response, the policy response to the pandemic, which you might think was perfect. You might even think it was underdone and we should have locked everyone in their homes like we're China for six weeks. But I think it's important to note that if there had been a similar policy response to previous pandemics, the situation would be very, very different. Quite a number of people would have stopped going out, going out to dinner, that sort of thing. Maybe they'd have been afraid to go to a ball game or what have you. There would have been a response, but the response was policy. It was not disease. And and the politicians who choked the economy to its knees, again, Maybe you think it was appropriate, partially, fully, whatever. They want you to think it was inevitable. Everything we did had to be done. And let's just move on with our lives and not take a look at it. I'm extraordinarily hungry today. I don't know why. Generally, it's lack of sleep with me. but Mm, I'm always tired, though, so that's not an outlier. I'm really hungry. Like, I'm wanting to. You know what? I think it's because in the back of my mind, speaking of things open, we know the little uh, cafe across the street Oh yeah, opened back up again. They've been closed oh, for a couple months. No, yeah. They opened back up. And it's, yeah, I'm it's, happy for them. They're it's, nice people. It's, 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 it's among the options now for me to get a giant burrito. Oh. Where it wasn't an option a couple of months ago, what am I going to, you know, how am I going to go clear? Where's a restaurant even open? But now it's an option. It's right, it's right there. And I think that's in the back of my mind, and it's triggering my hunger. <laughs> you, wow. <laughs> you say the word. <laughs> oh, I know. And all enabler. I gotta, enabler. And all I got to do is give the high sign to Sean, and we <laughs> and all got off. burritos. Like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Keep eating those. You'll be shaped like a burrito. What? <laughs> 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 Uh, anyway, so we got clips of the week on the way. Oh, we haven't done this yet. So, uh, I'm Jack Arnold. Well, we haven't introduced everybody. I'm completely out of whack. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing good. I'm excited about the NBA returning yes, pretty me soon. Too. But are they going to wear, make the players wear masks and yes. gloves? I'm just thinking how, how, how winded they're going to get. Boxing you know, gloves. Running up and down the court in a mask. We're wondering and no how. contact whatsoever. You touch anybody, it's a foul. We're wondering if it's going to be a whole bunch of fat guys who get winded yeah. like one minute into the game. <laughs> Coach! Send someone for me. The game just started. Um, they're staying in shape, we assume. 
Uh, there is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. As I was uh, gathering my morning tea today in the uh, in the break room, I was... With cook- your cat. Uh, uh, my cat is not allowed at work. Um, also, I don't own a cat. Um, <laughs> Again, with the quibbling. I, you drink I, I, tea... Cats come with tea. <laughs> He's team cat, clearly, folks. Anyway, and I anyway. gandered up at the uh, the television. Joe, if you could describe what I saw on the uh, the cable news network, aka CNN. That is uh, Elmo on the left and some other red person uh, monster on the right. Sesame Street comes together to stand up to racism. Okay, so my initial question was, why is this on a TV news program that is in theory designed for adults? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this wasn't a Sesame Street special thing or whatever. But then I, of course, my brain got to work and follow the money. So I did a little research. CNN is owned by AT&T, which also owns HBO, which is where the new episodes of Sesame Street premiere. Ah. The news is broken, and it fails us on a daily basis. Wow, that's a good one. So we're in the midst well, of... both those guys are red. So, I mean, right. it's uh, red supremacy. But that that is a decent point. We're in the midst of three of the biggest crises of yes. my entire life, of the nation's entire life, economically... Um, uh, the, 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 the riots, and then, of course, the, the pandemic. And you jam in a, a segment with Elmo like it's part of the news because we're dealing with racism for children and not because you're owned by the some com- same company that owns them and is promoting them. That, nice. is, that is something. You're right. We are failed by our news media on a regular well, basis. Well investigated, yeah, Sean. That was a good one. Yes. Hey, news comes with homework. Isn't that fun? Wee! Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Why is this story on? Oh, it's a for-profit promo. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Friday, June 5th, the year 2020. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, then. Let's begin officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Enough foolishness. Let's get down to work at Mark. I'm sorry, but you... The interview is over as far as I'm You sound completely barking mad. Do you know that? No, I don't. You've lost the plot. like a big You've lost the plot, and it's sad to see. You, 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 you're the one who got thrown off the television here. What, what was you that? couldn't smooth a silk shirt. <laughs> if you... I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was that? That was the idiotic shouting match between Rudy Giuliani and Piers Morgan that went on for about five minutes. Oh, really? Yes, as Rudy was appeal- <laughs> appearing via whatever means on Piers' show in Britain. Oh, and boy. the two of them uh, got to fighting and hurling insults at each other. Two old men, one, <laughs> frankly, particularly unhinged. <laughs> Hurling idiotic insults at each other. Fantastic. We have more of that, I assume. Oh, yes. boy. As, as much as you want. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, idiot. So we got clips of the week on the way. We got mailbag. We've got oh, yeah. all the news of the day in the nation and the world. And there is a flipping lot of it. There's no doubt about that. Hope you can stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And we've got to talk about the New York Times' extraordinary new op-ed policy that is just... Uh, uh, few things can astonish me at this point, but that I found that astonishing. Every time I think it's gotten as bad and dumb as it can get, I am, uh, <laughs> I am, uh, corrected. <laughs> the world has gotten very strange. Perhaps you've noticed. Uh, more on that to come. Mailbag. Come on. No, 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 no,
Oh, that's controversial. We're going to have to go to the judges. <laughs> I think you broke your wrists. Yeah, I think so, too. Mailbag coming up in a moment or two. But first, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cal Clips of the Week. I want to make this a parade, not a protest. You will have time to properly plot, plan, strategize, and organize and mobilize in an effective way. Sounds like from your experience, you see someone actually walking away with a cheesecake there after the Cheesecake Factory was looted. Unclear where they may have gotten that. Mm. At a certain point, hunger outweighs fear, which is also, incidentally, the official slogan of Taco Bell. (laughs) Is that where that's a house? That's your house, huh? There's some sticks in a circle. This is embarrassing. (laughs) I know you're all having a rough day. What with everyone here telling you you're bad at your jobs. Have you considered being good at your jobs? Two nights ago, mm-hmm. they were going to hire Colin Kaepernick. Would the riots have stopped? No. Nobody gives no. a shit about that. If you knew then what you know now, would you have signed the warrant application? No, I would not. Not, not a great way to use your white privilege, ladies. Well, I, I, will, I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. So that by the end of the year, we hopefully would have close to 100 million doses. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second-degree murder. Second, arrest warrants were issued for former Minneapolis police officers J.A. King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao. So two of those cops that have been charged now were rookies, and uh, they went in and uh, and and well opened themselves up yesterday in the courtroom and said, "Look, we're we're new. We did we didn't know what we were supposed to do. We're horrified by this. That would well, be a terrible position to be in." And the one guy said twice, "Shouldn't we turn him over?" Oh my god! Yeah, he's he's off the hook. He'll he'll not be uh, punished very severely. But God dang it, what an awful situation to be in. Because I've been in that situation, obviously, with not life and death circumstances, but with various things in my life where I think, does he know what he's doing? I mean, he knows more about this than I do. But. And if I challenge him, this is a serious yeah, thing yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Oof. life and death were at stake. So He must know what he's doing, or he wouldn't be doing that, you would think, I assume. R- right. Well, uh, and, and uh, yeah. Oh, geez, that's well, we can, we can renew that discussion in a bit. Mailbag. We'll get to that. First of all, your freedom-loving quote of the day from Frederick Douglass. People might not get all they work for in this world, but they must certainly work for all they get. Another quote of his that's kind of similar. I prayed for 20 years, but I received no answer until I prayed with my legs. That's a good one. That's an interesting phrase, praying with your legs. Huh. Reminds me of the old, well, we don't probably don't have time for the old proverb. It's a good one, though, folks. Sorry, you missed it. <laughs> Moving along. Jennifer from Morgan Hill, California writes, The other day I was on hour four of the podcast, watering my plants. Heard your voices from across the street. Walked to the end of the driveway, shouted to my neighbor, I'm on hour four. Sounds like you're on hour three. <laughs> we talked about how much we enjoy the show, blah, blah, blah. Uh, likes the station we're on. It's our omnipresence that I enjoy about our show so much. Also, when we listen to the show, the theme song comes on and says, Armstrong and Getty. My daughter, age 20 months, yells, Getty! It's 
pretty hilarious. She's picked a favorite, and it's me, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Thanks for the note, Jennifer. Uh, on a, a less cheery note, Al Anonymous writes, Someone has got to take control and stop the madness. From three years of hatred toward the president, to the Kavanaugh hearings, to the impeachment and the Russian collusion hoax, and now the Chinese bat flu, the riots and the looting, it is just too much for any sane American. Last night, as Tucker Carlson was giving the facts about police violence against blacks and showing the looting, my wife broke down sobbing. She's traumatized by it all. She went into our bedroom, laid down, and just cried. Where do we go, the depravity of it all? How can anyone support this depravity? Totally bummed out. GD it. our leaders are beyond pathetic. They, along with the media, are evil, evil, evil. I was listening to a podcast the other day about the the, the, the number of giant events, the pace of change, and then the way it comes to us through uh, so fast media and everything and what it's doing to our brains. I mean, mm. we're, we're not really built to, to, to handle this level of stimulus. I don't doubt that a bit. About things that are this crucial, you know, about your your safety, your shelter, your ability to feed your family. Your brain's not designed to take in all these threats at once. Mm. Uh, No time to read this positive Sean-related email, perhaps a little bit later on. uh, Democrat Party, modern-day plantation. You don't vote for me, you ain't black. Translation, don't you dare think about leaving the plantation. To be fair, the Republican Party's the modern Old West medicine sales guy. I have the magical cure in this bottle for you. Translate, vote for me and I'll give you small government, but line my pockets with your money. That's rich in beautiful green Oregon. Rich, you're a cynical man and you're probably right. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In Las Vegas, several hotel casinos are open for business. Going to a casino during a pandemic is that gray area between regular roulette and the Russian kind. Mm. Uh, things are opening back up is the, uh, the long and short of it. And we've got good economic news. Gray skies are going to clear up, put on a happy face. <laughs> and of course, Jimmy Kimmel was a liberal, wanted to accent the danger of things opening up again instead of how great it is. People can start making a living again. Do you not, Jimmy, I'm talking to you. Do you not care about all those dealers? I feel like. And, and, and waitresses and everything. I feel like the disparity in attitudes has grown much wider. Uh, there were always people that were like, you know, denying the pandemic existed or ignoring it. But that was a tiny percentage and they were they were politically cowed into keeping their mouths shut. But now it's I, I, I have sort of forgotten it's happening. And so a lot of people that I hang around are kind of just acting completely normal. And then when you run into people who are still in full lockdown mode, it's always, oh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, uh, some, some of you are doing that. Yeah, I know I, exactly I what you mean. I forgot. Yeah, somebody who, who you pass in the hall and they back up terrified. Like, oh, yeah. Well, we were right. we at a meeting yesterday and somebody threw out, I suppose we should all sit six feet apart. And I thought, well, okay. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you want to. I work in an office building where we're all standing close to each other. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not against it. There's no reason not to. So Yeah. Yep. But I forget. And I think uh, for a lot of people. I mean, the traffic, at least for me, I don't know where it is, what it is around the country, but my traffic is full-on bad traffic, mm. like, you know, the craziness. And then I ran into somebody yesterday who said, uh, uh, I'll be looking forward to getting back into the office. I thought, no, I've been in the office the whole time, so it uh, depends on your situation. Sure, yep. 
Yep. Speaking of jobs, jobless rate fell to 13.3%, which is still awful, obviously, but employers added 2.5 million jobs. And that's what's causing the markets to soar? Indeed. (laughs) 2.5 million in payroll? I don't know. How are those numbers reported? Is that a dollar amount, or is that... What? The the payroll numbers that I've seen. Two and a half million jobs. U.S. payrolls unexpectedly climbed by 2.5 million in May is what I'm seeing. No, that's number of jobs. Okay. That's not the amount. Otherwise, you know, one uh, Major League Baseball shortstop would get signed. Gotcha. For $100 million, and that would skew the numbers. Um. So uh, this is this is very good news. The uh, analysts, uh, whoever they are, had been expecting a rise in unemployment. So much for listening to the analysts. But this is excellent news. Let's hope it's part of a trend. Let's hope the number of businesses that have gone away forever because of the the overreach and the egomania or just uh, obsession uh, by state and county health officials with protecting everybody. And, and their motives, I think, were mostly good. But because of that obsession, a lot of jobs have gone away and will never return. Let's hope that number is less than we thought. Mm. Speaking of analysts getting it wrong, I, I feared that that number would be many, many millions. So many models have been uh, incorrect, and that's fine. If that's as good as models for various things can get, whether it's the e- economy or a virus, that's fine. Maybe that's just good as mankind can do. Mm-hmm. But if they can be that wrong, I read a good piece yesterday about if this many models were this far off, are we still just going to hold to the climate change models as if they're clearly accurate? Nah, depends who you ask. Well, the problem is, and as usual, I'm kicking the media, uh, the models always express a range. You know, the, the, the death toll will be between 8 and 80, and then to a channel, every single channel and newspaper will report the death toll could be as high as 80. And they'll leave out the, or as low as 8. It's just pff, the desperate uh, competition for eyes and ears. The most exciting, scary thing they can possibly say is what they will say every time. Well, and if you get it wrong about climate change, I suppose we're all uh, baked in our homes. So, Right. Right, we'll have been cooked <laughs> long ago, and, and our bones I, and will do I be get, picked over by the new dinosaurs. And do I get any joy out of saying, I was wrong, you were right, I apologize. Sorry, <laughs> sorry! Ow, ow, ow! <laughs> the air hurts. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's hot where I live in the uh, the foothillular region, and uh, so we, we I, it my was job is... Yesterday. In the uh, in the wee hours of the morning, as I'm getting ready for work, I open up uh, a handful of windows and, uh, and and turn on our big house fan to suck the cold air through the house, the the cooler morning air through the house. And I I got to the uh, well, I got to the end of the driveway. And and first, let me uh, an aside. There's a principle in golf, um, uh, called a shot that's so bad it's good. Like you hit it sideways toward the out of bounds. But you connected with it so poorly, it doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. So it like saves your hiney so bad it's good. Um, and so I get to the end of my driveway and I realize I forgot to turn on the fan. You idiot. You didn't. And I glance down and realize I've also forgotten my coffee. And I ain't going anywhere without my coffee. <laughs> so I turn around. I go back to the house, even though I was running late. I got my coffee. So I was kind of so dumb. I, I ended mm. up smart. I was so bad. I was good. I got everything. It's my done. wheelhouse. I, <laughs> the house fan is on. <clears throat> the cool air is a flowing. 
I'm going to be driving with my two boys all day long. We're doing a, a long guys d- d- drive, longest we've ever taken. You pick up beers, and where we're planning to, uh, <laughs> where we're planning to stay the night, it's going to be 109 degrees. Oh, that's pleasant. Oh. That's <clears throat> that'll cool off to 106 overnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little toasty. Well, yeah. what are you going to do? Have a great trip, though. That's fabulous. Uh, Road trips with dad. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my youngest son's health problems have really been bad this week, so I'm uh, I'm oof. <sighs> got several contingency plans for uh, it ending early. Yeah, may, just may not work out. But. Oh boy! All right, well, good luck. Uh yeah. Um, so, what are you in the mood for? Uh, I, I none of it <laughs> is my problem. I, I think so. I don't want to talk about racial relations in America. I don't want to talk. All this stuff needs to be talked about, but you can't talk about it all the time. Right? Um, uh, policing in America, a lot of good stories out there. I think is it uh, Texas where the governor is? Uh, they're going to uh, make a new law where, as a policeman, you are obligated to uh, butt in if you've got uh, another guy who's doing horrible things. Hmm. Seems like a reasonable reform. So that might that might catch on across the country, which seems like a good idea. Yeah, there are quite a few reasonable reforms being trotted out. I have in front of me a uh, <clears throat> a rather detailed uh, a piece of, of, of literature um, by a uh, criminal law professor who is a policeman and a police chief. He seems to be a very learned guy. There are some really smart things floating around, which I think is is good. There's uh, plenty of ugly and dumb floating around, as usual, too. We have some great stuff from uh, our friend Lara Logan, who's been looking into the radical left and how they do what they do. Actually, we actually got an email about that. Maybe let me offer this to you as kind of a tease. Okay. <coughs> She's looking Excuse into me. Antifa and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's correct. It's all about Antifa. Yeah, she's been big on trying to. She was one of the first people that I was I saw putting out the where are these bricks coming from? Sort of trying to get to the bottom of uh, those right. sort of things. And she spends a lot of times on websites that I'm not willing to go to. And uh, well, she's been in a lot of rough places yeah. in the world. Yeah. And the Portland police are asking for help figuring out who's been planting Molotov cocktails about ready to be hurled at a moment's well, notice. We know in New York who it was. They were driving around and handing them out. Right. A couple of right. uh, Ivy League trained lawyers, which is just amazing. Right. It's not amazing at all to me. Um, but anyway, um, I'm an XP. Hmm. He's not an XP. He's, <laughs> he's a current human. I'm an ex-FBI agent and was in Portlandia waiting for my girlfriend to get a tattoo on a day that happened to be a protest day. There are more of them than federal holidays in Portland. <clears throat> True enough. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Powerful. <laughs> you oh, having a good time, Joe? <clears throat> I'm particularly... Apparently, I inhaled a moth right before waking up this morning. <clears throat> I apologize. Where were we? Ah, yes. Uh, protest days in Portland. Anyways, the cops moved to gently suggest people move along. I began to notice in a way that ex-cops notice, and this guy was an FBI special agent, uh, there, got, there were guys acting disinterested on some of the corners. I positioned myself behind one, and uh, he was most certainly a lookout. They operate the same way in uh, which the gang lookouts in my L.A. days did, albeit much more efficiently now with text and Twitter and that sort of thing. As the cops came our way, uh, the guy found a new corner, as did at least one other shabby rat I res- observed. Nothing too surprising, but it's good to know that these college kids who've been living at home too long after receiving their humanities degrees 
included some content that at least has helped them with reconnoitering and logistics. (laughs) Signed, I miss Reagan. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, how about that? He recognized lookouts. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. Yeah, since he's trained to do that, I wouldn't notice it. But to him, it's oh, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Somebody studiously casual, just hanging around on the corner, not doing anything, just kind of looking down and glancing around, then looking down some more. Sure, yeah, you can recognize it. And uh, and more on the loosely organized, carefully organized. Far left. Well, when we talked about the poll yesterday, that uh, the, 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 there's much higher support for the actual mayhem, the rioting, and that sort of thing. Uh, the support goes up as your education level and income goes up. And whiteness. And whiteness. That's, right. that's really something. Rich, liberal, white people have the craziest notions. Anyway, our text line is 415-295-KFTC, and we'll hear from Laura Logan and what she's learned about Antifa. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, I will commend the New York Times leadership. You know, we obviously don't agree on very much, but in this case, they ran my opinion piece, with which they disagreed, and they've stood up to the woke progressive mob in their own newsroom, so I I commend them for that. Tom Cotton, (laughs) senator from Arkansas, who wrote an op-ed piece about how we need to bring the military in to uh, stop the rioting. Whether you agree with that or not is really not... The important part of this conversation, there he is commending the New York Times for running the piece because they got a lot of hell there. The bosses at the New York Times got a lot of hell from their uh, their, their their staff. And the New York Times bosses said, Times opinion owes it to our readers to show them counter arguments, particularly those made by people in positions to set policy, which is the grown up reasonable thing to say. Yeah, I was very impressed by that and surprised. <laughs> uh, but But some of the people there that work at the New York Times said things like, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but to not say something would be immoral. As a black woman, as a journalist, as an American, I'm deeply ashamed that we ran this. Another one of the writers said, Running this put black staffers at the New York Times in danger, in solidarity with my colleagues who agree. Another one wrote, His piece was inflammatory in endorsing military occupation as if the Constitution doesn't exist. So apparently enough of the people that work at the New York Times complained And the bosses changed their mind completely and then wrote this later in the day. We've examined the piece and the process leading up to its publication. This review made clear that a rushed editorial process led to the publication of an op-ed that did not meet our standards. They're going to be more careful in the future, and they're going to cut back on the number of op-ed pieces that they run, which is just freaking amazing. The whole thing is freaking amazing. Even if you don't know the background, which we're about to give you, but even without the background, the fact that a sitting U.S. senator who actually has the power to suggest policy and argue for it in the Senate and for it to become policy, Mm -hmm. you don't want to hear his policy is astounding. And then run an op-ed piece next to it where somebody smart argues on why it's a terrible idea. That's the way it's supposed to work, you morons. It's intellectually cowardly, obviously, but it's bizarre from the point of view of a representative government 
you're you're afraid to say what senators are advocating. Well, that's where we are now. You that's, can't even let them. That's where what? we are in this. And it, and it, it gets a little bit to another story we're dealing with this week that I don't even want to say. It's Voldemort. But just the, the McCarthyism that's going on in all of media mm. where you just you can't speak out and say even if even when most people agree with you that's the scariest part to right. me and and uh, most of these stories that i'm talking about the majority the majority of people agree with the idea of putting the military in the streets maybe you think it's a terrible idea but it's not whack job craziness and even if it were a sitting us senators uh, opinion on it should be valuable to the new york times here's the background that is important to know the new york times in recent years has published op-eds from vladimir putin from old uh, erdogan in turkey and from a leader of the taliban and that one was completely full of lies yeah. that one was just a propaganda piece and the new york times ran nothing beside it saying uh these are all lies they've been killing our soldiers they're they're aligned with al-qaeda etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. they ran a puff piece from a taliban leader but not a sitting U.S. senator. But not a or, sitting U.S. Or senator. They will. They will not anymore because their newsroom revolted, and so now the nuts are running the nut house. The original statement from the New York Times was absolutely right. Times opinion owes it to our readers to show them counter arguments, particularly those made by people in a position to set policy. How do you disagree with that? Well, that's the way it used to work. I think. I think throughout the day they realized. Well, times have changed. That's not what the New York Times is anymore. No. That's not what we can be anymore. Wow, what a what an odd decision. This is so disturbing. Yet it's I, I feel like I'm 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 reading a novel or watching a movie. It's so extraordinary. I got to take a minute to process it. They're going ahead and running some uh, op-ed pieces today, including Michelle Goldberg on Tom Cotton's fascist op-ed. I disagree with uh, Tom Cotton. I only scanned. I didn't read his whole piece, actually. I don't think we. I think we absolutely need the National Guard and a support role in some cities. I don't think we need the 101st Airborne in our streets. I hate that idea, but we do need to get control. That that and that is an option that exists. And if it's necessary, we go there. But it's a last resort. Th- that that is all a very interesting conversation to have. But the the whole New York <clears throat> Times, as the most important newspaper in the world, or it always has, it has been for a very long time. Tick, tick. Yeah, exactly. Tick. tick. Um, mm. So who's this Barry Weiss person, Sean? You uh, handed me this, all her tweets. Barry White, you'll never. No, Barry that's Lou Rawls. <laughs> Who loves you, baby? <laughs> uh, Barry Weiss is a. Barry uh, Weiss. She's an opinion. Yeah, yeah. She's an opinion writer for the New York Times. Okay. Uh, I find her to be very intriguing. She is hated on my Twitter feed. People cannot stand her. The civil war inside the New York Times between the mostly young wokes, the mostly forty-plus liberals and the mostly 40-plus liberals, is the same one raging inside other publications and companies across the country. The dynamic is always the same, and then there's a long thread going on with that. The old guard lives by a set of principles we can broadly call civil, civil libertarianism. They assumed they shared that worldview with the young people they hired who called themselves liberals and progressives, but it was an incorrect assumption. The new guard has a different worldview, one articulated best by uh, John Haight and, uh, and uh, Luke, Lukianoff, who we've talked to on the show many times, they call it safetyism, in which the right of people to feel emotionally and psychologically safe trumps what were previously considered core liberal values like free speech. Another tweet. Perhaps the cleanest example of this dynamic was in 2018 when David Remnick, under tremendous public pressure from his staffers, and I used to really like David Remnick, disinvited Steve Bannon from appearing on stage at the New York Ideas Festival 
But there are dozens and dozens of other examples. Yeah, I remember Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, the, it it is changed, and it's it's worth recognizing that it has changed, and it's highly disturbing. And the old guard liberals, it's 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 where Bill Maher runs into trouble. He's an old guard liberal. Where yeah, you bring Tom Cotton on the show, he talks about this. I explain why I think it's a bad idea. Now, no, you do not have him on the show. You do not let his opinion get in the air. First of all, it's painful. It's a painful experience. It for scares somebody me. Else. It creates an unsafe space. And you just don't want to let them speak at all. It's, right. it's wild. So the new young woke have a great deal of disagreement. Well, as she says, it's happening in businesses, newsrooms all across the country. That's wild. It's wild and it's terrifying. It's, it's terrible, especially as the, the parent of three kids in their early 20s, early to, to mid uh, 20s. Uh, it, it's scary because you surround yourself with the intellectual bubble and you feel so righteous, a religious fervor. It's like falling in love with politics and you're so whipped up. You make terrible decisions, just like, you know, when you're in love. And the problem is in the history of this sort of thing, I mean, it's, it's like a broken record, as we used to say back in the day. Uh, Google it, kids. Um, is that you will be just right with them and you're all raising your hands and you're chanting and you're marching and the rest of it and then you'll get outside the politically correct line you'll say something wrong or the policy will change and you haven't realized it and you say the old policy and all of a sudden their utter brutality is turned on you happens all the time ask trotsky Michael Che makes that joke on Saturday Night Live. You know, he talks about the future. He says, I'll probably be in jail then for something I said in 2019. That could happen. Armstrong and Getty.